Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you. Hmm. Thank you so much for those of you who have been with us. Yeah, please sit down. Please, please, please sit down. Thank you so much. You doing okay this morning? Yeah. Are we okay to have some fun in church this morning? Can we do that? We have a little, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I personally, it's my view that we as Christians, as people who have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us should be the ones who are the fun makers in this world, okay? So it's okay. Let me just, let me just tell you this morning, it's okay to have fun in church. So we're going to have some fun this morning, all right? I hope you, you got up on the right side of the bed uh, this morning. If the person next to you looks like they did not get up on the right side of the bed, that means you need to nudge them a little bit, okay? Uh, so uh, excited to be here. Can we just give it up for Pastor Jeff and Rhonda really quickly? Thank you for... Sincerely, thank you for standing with us. You know, I, I, um, we, we started to come to this great nation a number of years ago, and I can't... Um, the church in Australia is a church that is changing the world. And there is something significant about this nation, not only to this nation, but to the nations, um, that I believe is a, um, there is a wind moving across this land. And um, I, I look back and I look at all the great movements and all the great people and all the great um, opportunities of our past, but I also look to the future with great anticipation and excitement for what God's doing on the earth right now. And I'm excited to be standing in a place that has the potential and the mandate in my opinion, to change the earth. And so I just thank you so much for standing with us in this time, for, for standing with this vision of One Nation, One Day, for believing in a new era of world missions and world evangelism. I also have to honor some great friends, uh, Mark and Andrea Patterson, who, uh, can we give it up for them? Uh, the Pattersons. A number of years ago, they came into our life and changed our life uh, so significantly. Um, they are just such kingdom-minded people. And, um, you know, I'm, I don't know about you, um, but I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. My wife hates when I say this kind of stuff, but I feel like I'm getting, I'm going to be 40 next year, which I can hardly believe. Uh, yeah, some of you guys are like, boo-hoo, you know? <laughs> oh. But I, uh, you know, I tell you what, I used to be in a position of my life where I used to look around and I used to determine how close I was to God uh, by the number of storms in my life and what I was going through. And, you know, I've, I've learned over the years um, that those who create the most chaos uh, on this earth and really get into darkness and shine light there are people who have gone through great circumstance and great storms, come out on the other side of it, and have changed the earth while doing it. And I believe Mark and Andrea to be those type of people um, that I want to fashion my life after and and run into some of the most uh, darkest places on the earth, some of the most dark situations, and shine a light for the glory of the kingdom, for the glory of God, and see God do something extraordinary in our earth. Uh, and so I just want to just thank you guys again. I love you guys so much. And, and um, 
You know, I came with, with something, a burden on me. You know, we, uh, we have been the vision of One Nation One Day. I'll give you, you just saw the history. We've been in four nations. Uh, we've mobilized in just 28 days of ministry. We've mobilized over 17,000 missionaries from around the world, from 47 nations, uh, to, to be a part of going into nations with one vision and one goal. And it's to unite the church for the salvation and transformation of nations. And we believe that to be the principal mandate on our life. And, um, we, we've, we've been running to this theme, and, and um, something happened back in 2014, uh, five years ago. Um, we, we sat with Pastor Tommy Barnett, uh, who is a, a pastor uh, in, in Phoenix. He, he, he founded a church called Phoenix First Assembly, and it was one of the largest churches in America for a number of years. He was the president of AOG, Assemblies of God in America, um, for a number of years. But he sat down with us. He founded a, a ministry in Los Angeles, which is, we live in Southern California, God's country, and um, uh, where the sun always shines and the water's always smooth. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I grew up in Michigan. I don't know how familiar you are with the, with the U.S., so I've paid my time. I've done my, I've done my life sentences, uh, and so I, I know what snow is. I know what eight months of cold is. I know what looking up at the clouds and saying, remember that ball of light that you used to see? I haven't seen it in forever, so I've done my time. Anyways, a uh, number of years ago, we sat with Pastor Tommy Barnett, and he began to cast a vision for us of something that was happening in Los Angeles. 25 years ago, they founded a ministry called the Dream Center, and he came with us to our first One Nation, One Day event in 2013, and Pastor Tommy sat with us, and he said, he said, I've had a dream uh, for America. I've had a dream for Los Angeles, to see Los Angeles, a city that is touching the earth uh, through, through, through Hollywood, through movies, through pop culture, through music, and been sending and sending a message to the earth for, for a very long time that has not been the greatest message. And he said, you look at Los Angeles, it's a city of extremes. It's a, a city of, of ups and downs, and people go there to use the city for all that it's worth. The average time that someone lives in Los Angeles is 18 months average. So it's a, it, people are coming in, they're trying to get as much as they can. They're either burning out or, or, or taking something from the city, then they're leaving. And there's some crises in the city and all of these things. And he sat with us and he said, guys, um, we have a dream for Los Angeles to see Los Angeles reached and, and touched. And the only manifestation that we've seen of that, of that thing has what, we've, what we saw in Honduras for One Nation One Day, where the church would come together. He said, what would it look like if we did something in Los Angeles together to see a U.S. city touched? And, and, and for us, we, we, we as a ministry had always thought that the primary mandate of our, of our ministry was to mobilize people to the nations, not mobilizing people to our nation. And and, um, and so we wrestled with it for a number of years, but we've, we've learned that when a general in the faith speaks in spirit, it would be completely foolish to respond with logic. And so we, we said, Pastor Tommy, we're going to sit on these seeds of faith. We're going to pray into them. And we did for a number of years. We ended up, uh, like I said, we were, we, we, I was paroled from Michigan. Um, and... Um, that's an expression of when you get released from prison in case, remember, we're the fun ones, okay? So it's okay to laugh in church a little bit. Um, 
but he said, I want you guys to come to Los Angeles. We, and, and, and so we moved our ministry to Southern California a number of years ago and, and began to have this, this passion for Los Angeles burning inside of us. And so uh, I'll fast forward now. In 2020, next summer, One Nation, One Day will become officially One Day LA. And now we're going to gather the greatest, m- largest amount of volunteer missionaries that, that, that in, in short-term missions history, we're going to bring 20,000 missionaries next summer to Los Angeles, our summer, your winter, so it'll be a good time for you to go, and um, and we're going to serve a city behind the banner. We're going to march to a banner of love. And what will an American in, in American history next year has the potential to be one of the most divisive years in American history? And here's why. I'm, I'm sure you, you turn on the news. We have very divisive politics in America, and I'm not going to talk anything about politics this morning, so just wipe the sweat off your, off your, off your head for one moment. Uh, but, but divide, hatred and racial divide will be the front and center of every narrative on the news uh, in America next year. Um, and while the church, and while the nation, rather, is dividing, the church will be uniting. And we're going to come together as one church with one voice, boasting about what we're for, t- raising the banner of love, loving people in that city, and we're going to watch a city get touched with 20,000 missionaries in one week. That's one million hours of service to Los Angeles. And so we're really excited about that. And um, in future nations, uh, I say all that I said about Australia because I believe that um, Los Angeles is going to be a springboard for us moving the vision of one nation one day into Southeast Asia. And so um, we... Right now, about 80% of the ground forces for our previous One Nation, One Days have been out of, out of North America. But that all changes when we go to Southeast Asia. And so uh, hopefully, if I'm invited back, uh, you'll see a little bit more of my face in the, in the coming years. And we're going to set up an office probably right down the street, maybe on the sixth floor. We'll build a sixth floor to this building or something. And, um, and we're going we're gonna to begin to take this vision of One Nation, One Day into nations right around here. And we're going to see the earth changed. Amen. We are marching behind the banner of love has no limits. And, um, you know, I, I, I believe that true love has no limits, that there are no limits to what true love would do. And I do have something very timely that's on my heart, a message for you this morning. I do want to encourage you, uh, whether you're watching live online or whether you're here live with us this morning, to maybe pull out a, 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 a three-ring uh, notepad or a pencil or a pen or to take some notes or to open up your phone and take notes. Don't take your grocery list, but to take some notes. And studies do show, this is statistical, studies show that those of us who take notes have a higher likelihood of getting into heaven. So um, (laughs) I want to see you there. So take some notes this morning. A love that has no limits. I wanted to, to, to pick up and, and share a, 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 some, some text with us this morning found in Isaiah chapter 60 is, is really kind of the principal text that I want to jump into this morning. Uh, this has been something that's been rattling me. This has been a passage of, of scripture that's been rattling me for about a year and a half. And I remember a year and a half ago, I was on a plane. I was reading this on a Saturday morning. We were going... Um, 
I don't even know, I don't remember where I was going, but I was on a plane and I was reading this text and I, I read it and I instantly thought of my pastor who I grew up with my whole life, my, my senior, or my, my spiritual father. And I, and I text him from the plane. I said, man, this is, this is for you. And I began to read it more and more and I was broken. Then I thought, oh my God, I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me in this moment that this this is a text for the church. This is a now word for us right now, and I haven't been able to shake it for about a year and a half, and so I want to I jump in. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, non-Jews, shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read certain uh, passages of Scripture, sometimes it's so deep for me, and there's so much that I feel like God could be speaking to me when I'm reading uh, that, that it's almost easier to just read fast over it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very disciplined this morning and keep going fast. Uh, lift up your eyes around and see. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart will swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Shall come to you. And what's interesting about this passage of Scripture is that I believe this is exactly what we see in our societies and we see sweeping across the world right now, especially in verse two. For behold, the prophet Isaiah says, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. I don't know about you, but when I look around, it's easy to amen the fact that there is a darkness that is sweeping across societies. There is a darkness that seems to be sweeping across parts of, of the undeveloped world. There's a darkness that seems to be sweeping over governments, and there's chaos and wars and rumors of war and, and all of these things that we could look at and label as problems or label as darkness in our world right now. Right now. But what I love about this passage of Scripture, and I haven't even got to the point that I really want to pull out of it yet, is that Isaiah begins to cast this, 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 he begins to say, listen, wait, 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 wait. It's important for us to realize that when we look up and around and we see all that's taking place, we realize there's something significant about what's inside of us. Now, there are two types of Christians on the planet right now. There are the Christians who come into a place where we walk in and we say, Jesus, I believe in you, God, I believe in you. I want all that you have for me. I want your goodness. And we, we see the cross and we bow our lives to the cross and we have our salvation and we, we, we ask for forgiveness of our sins and we go through all these things and we almost kind of stop right there and just keep going through the motions of our life. But then there is a more minority type of Christian on the planet who would realize that the cross is actually a starting point. And my, I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. That means when I walk into a room and there's darkness around, everything changes in that room. Why? Why? Because I represent Jesus. 
So when I walk into a room, I'm actually representing Jesus into that environment. Are you with me? And so, so, so the prophet Isaiah says, there's great darkness. I want you to look around and I want you to see what you have access to if you would lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look and see what's taking place because I have not a problem this, this, listen, guys, this, this darkness, this great darkness on the people, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. So lift up your eyes and realize they're going to be drawn to your light. But there's a convicting part of this passage. This is the part that I want to focus on this morning. This is the part for your notes, for those of us who are going to heaven. Amen, somebody. The more convicting part is in the first verse. Now, he says, arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is, has, in other words, risen upon you. Here's what I've realized about life. There are, have you been thrown into a situation before real fast that you didn't prepare for? I was laying on the couch last week, and my wife says, she says, Gabe, I need you to take the trash out. And I said, I'll take the trash out later. And for those of you who are celebrating 40 years of marriage, congratulations, by the way, that's, a mar- that's two life sentences. <laughs> How many of you know when your wife says to do something, you don't wait till later, okay? And so I said, I'll do it in a second. She goes, no, you won't. Get up now and do it now. I'm so sick of you and do it. And I'm just like, babe, just calm down. It's just the trash. I'll take it out now. Fine. But sometimes what I like to do is when I realize I have something to do, it's very easy for me to slate it for later. And some of us need to realize, I, I, I don't know, when, when we get thrown into situations, it's like kill or be killed situations. I, I, I played football when I was younger. Some of you are like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yes, I did. And you're like, well, you're too small for that. But I did. I don't know why my mom let me. But when I was younger, I played football. I was the smallest person on my team. And I, but I was fast because, I, and, and I had to run fast because I didn't want to die. And so, um, <laughs> So I would play football, and I remember they, they made me a running back, which I don't know how familiar you are with, with American football, but anyways, you run the ball when they hand it to you, and, or, you or you die. And um, I remember this one situation where, it, here's the deal, when you get the ball, you have to, you, you, it doesn't matter if you're ready or not. Either brace for impact or run, okay? And so, so I remember this one play, I, I, was, I was a running back, and it was a, it was a 33 play, um, and it, what that essentially means is there's guys, your, your, your offense, your f- offensive line is in front of you, and what they do is they have these hole, these pockets, and it means that I will run up, I was a three back, I run up the three hole. Well, I got the ball, and they're supposed to open the line up in the three hole, well, I remember getting the ball, and, and there was no, there, there was no opening, and... So I had the ball, and I just thought, well, uh, just don't run backwards, you know. <laughs> just run into the, the guy. And the last thing I remember is actually running into, the, into that guy. And, and I got knocked out, and I, was on a, and I got put on a stretcher. And, and from that day forward, I hated football. And, um, but when you get tossed the ball, you have to do something with it, right? And when your wife says do something right now, you got to do something right now, okay? Amen. And all the, all the, all the women said amen. And, and, and so, so, so 
The problem is what we do so often, and, and again, this is me just airing out my laundry. Is that okay? Um, this is me just being honest. This is, a, this is a conversation you're witnessing of me talking to myself in the mirror, okay? So, so what we do is we understand that God wants to do something great. There's great darkness around. Lift up our eyes and see. We can look up our eyes that the nations are going to be drawn to us, that, that opportunities and resources and, 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 and all of these wonderful things will, will, will be revealed to us when we lift up our eyes. But what we do is we often take what God wants to do and put it on the shelf for a later time. Just got real quiet in here. <laughs> And what I've realized is that right now on our earth, there's no greater sense of urgency to love people without limits and to love people right now. There's no greater opportunity for, for if, if, if we see great darkness around us, what does that look like? That's not a problem. That's an opportunity for God to show his glory. Now, listen, God's not going to show his glory without you. You are the secret. We're, we're, we're the thing that makes the mathematical equation work. We are his relegated hands and feet. So if God wants to do something on the earth, he could just do it and it's done. But usually what happens is he uses people. He uses you and me. Are you with me? And so Isaiah says, I want to do something. There's something coming. And you guys need to realize that you're part of the solution to this opportunity. But you've got to realize that your light has come. It's now. It's not later. It's now. It's now. It's now. Well, Gabe, I don't know what the will of God is for me right now. Well, it's very easy. Jesus said, this is how you pray. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God for your life, no matter how young you are or how old you are, if there is blood coursing through your veins and there is breath in your lungs, that means God has a plan for your life to show himself through your life right now. And the will of God is very simple. It's for this earth to look like heaven. That means your marriage can look like a heavenly marriage. That means that your finances don't have to control you. You control them. That means that your workplace can look a little closer like like heaven. You're like, I don't know about that. That means that your relationships are to look on earth as they are in heaven. That means that your neighborhood is to look on earth as it is in heaven. Are you with me? So what are some of the things that cause us to shelf what God wants to do for later? Well, I want to talk about three specific things this morning for us. Three things. The first one is that we underestimate the significance of our, our assignment. I think far too many people... The majority of humanity underestimates the specific, beautiful mark of God on their life. We underestimate the weight of what it is that God has asked us to do. You know, there's tons of biblical examples of this. I think one is, is Solomon. I think, I think if you look at the life of Solomon, you have someone who... Um, you know the story of Solomon where he, he, he has this encounter with God and, and he's a king and, 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 and God says to Solomon, he says, Solomon, 
ask for anything and I'll give it to you. We know that Solomon is the son of David, the grandson of a guy named Jesse. And David was a man after God's own heart. You know, like King David wrote, wrote, wrote all the Psalms, most of Psalms, wrote, you know, just as someone who is a heroic figure that Jesus came from the line of David. We have this King David who is this just a man to be um, exalted almost, <laughs> if, you, if you will. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I've had situations and times where I've had to step into things and the shoes that I've been filling have been great shoes and I've been intimidated by the shoes that I've had to fill. And I can imagine that Solomon, when he has this moment with God, is overwhelmed. In fact, we know he's overwhelmed by, by what he says in scripture, but he has, this, he has this invitation that no one else in, in scripture has ever been asked before of God. He has a dream one night and God says, Solomon, ask for anything and I'll give it to you. Ask for anything and I'll give it to you. And what does Solomon say? Solomon says, I'll have wisdom. And God was so blown away by his request to have wisdom because he understood ultimately why does he ask for wisdom? He asked for wisdom because he knew the weight of what he had to do with his life was so great that he could not he could not do what it was that God wanted him to do without wisdom and he understood that wisdom was a person Okay, so, so, so he says this. This is what he says in the, in the dream. I just want to read it to you again to, to, to prove it to you in case you think I'm a liar, okay? For Second Chronicles uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 10, now, the, now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? In other words, without wisdom, who could lead these people? Who could lead your, this great nation? Who could do this? So, so, so he asks for what he understands the weight of it. And so he doesn't underestimate what it'll take to, 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 to accomplish the task before him. He knew. He knew, he knew, he knew that he needed to get it. But what happened? Whenever we feel the weight of our assignment that God is asking of us, and we humbly go before him and say, God, there's nothing on this planet that I could do to prepare for what it is that you want me to do. I could educate myself. I need to be educated. I need to do the things. I need to, I, I, I need to you know, understand things. I need to study. I need to, I need to actually be diligent in pursuing what it is that you've, you, you've, you, you have for me. But ultimately, without you, I'm sunk. And so he says, God, I, I need wisdom. And so God gives him wisdom. But li- listen to this. This is, uh, this is amazing. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 30, I'm sorry, verse 29, and God gave Solomon wisdom, it says, an exceedingly great understanding. But this is the part that I love. He gave him a largeness of heart. You see, it's impossible when you sit before God and you say, God, I realize that if I'm alive, that means that you're not done with me. And so there's a greatness that you have for me. That means that, that I can look around and I can see things. I can look to the darkness around. I can open my eyes. I can step into this now moment and you can use me to change my neighbors. You can use me to change the people that I'm interacting with. You can use me, God, to change the people that I'm seeing on a day-to-day basis. You can use me to, to, to see my banker helped. You can use me to see my, my family uh, restored. You can use me, God. You, you be Do something through me, God. 
And when he became obsessed with his assignment and when he understood the weight of his assignment, he understood God gave him something that was so powerful, he gave him wisdom. But he also gave him a largeness of heart. So he began to get hungrier, I believe, for the weight of his assignment. Far too many people underestimate the weight of our assignment. The second thing that causes us to shelf what's now for later is that in a lot of ways, I believe we lose our flavor for life. What do you mean by that? You know, it's easy, I think. It's, it's, it's very simple, actually. When, when, when you understand that something's now, if you feel like something has to happen now, isn't that just an overwhelming responsibility? And we have a lot of responsibilities. Some of you are like, come on, Gabe, why are you talking about this? I have so much I got to do this week. Can you wait a year and come back? Can, you, can we talk about this for a month from now? I got I to finish all this stuff. But the reality is when we realize that it's, it's, it, there's only one response when you feel like something has to happen now, when the ball's been tossed to you, when you have to do something, when your wife tells you to do something, some of us need to treat God a little bit more like we treat our wives. <laughs> Absolute obedience, right? <laughs> but some of us have lost our, our, our flavor for life. We've allowed the storms and the trials and the tribulations. These are biblical, okay? I, like I said earlier, uh, I, I used to see storms of life like, like I've missed God. But really, what I've realized is, is that there, it's a law of opposition. Every step I take will be met with opposition, that's the kingdom of God. That, that is, you know, the safest place to be in, in pursuing Jesus and the kingdom of God is on the very front lines of battle. Two people were like, yeah, I, and, 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 and it's true. It's who says amen to pain? <laughs> We've lost the flavor for life. We've allowed the storms of life to, to, to disqualify the weight of our assignment. It's so hard. It's so hard. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you're the salt of the earth. He goes into this right after his most famous uh, uh, message, uh, the, the Beatitudes uh, that, we, that we read in verse 13 of Matthew 5, 13. He says, you are the salt of life. Now, I've heard this a lot in my life, and I've preached on this for many years. And I'll admit this morning that I've, in some ways, preached it inaccurately over the years. Now, I, don't, I like to research a little bit. I like to get into the commentaries. I like to, well, let's just figure out what salt is, you know? And um, we know that we have salt everywhere, but, but, but uh, you know, there's different properties of salt back then. And I'm like, what does Jesus really mean when he's saying this? And he's, you know, salt was a commodity. It was used for trading. It was used to preserve things, which are all things that I've preached on. We're a commodity, you know? We're, we're, we're a, you're, you're, you're a hot commodity, you know? You're, you, we're, we're, we use salt to preserve things. You know, they would put it on meats to make it last longer. So there's a preservation of what we are as, as Christians. We help to preserve the way of God. And those are all true. But what Jesus said is actually different. He says, you're the salt of the earth. Follow me. But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? He actually talks about it within the context of flavor. Listen, when I say we're supposed to have fun in church. 
That means because we're supposed to have some fun in church. How many know we're the funnest people on the planet? We are supposed to be the people that actually spice things up the most. The Christians are the flavor. That means when we walk into a situation, things get flavorful, okay? Look at the person next to you and say, you're spicy. And if you're sitting next to your spouse, whisper in their ear, you're spicy. (laughs) This is marriage therapy this morning. We're supposed to flavor things up, church. And what happens if we don't? Jesus says, you're good for nothing. He says, only to be trampled by men. And here's the tragedy of it, because I've been, I've been there. The more that I look at this great opportunity, because I don't want to speak, I won't call it a problem. The more that I look at this opportunity of darkness covering the earth and, and great darkness over the people, what I've realized is that people have opened their eyes and they've put themselves over there into the doom and gloom of it. And they've allowed that to dissuade them from what God has asked them to do with their life, to actually be flavorful. And we've lost our flavor. We've lost through situations, through what people have said at us, through fear of man, which is wicked. Right? All, all, all fear of man is, is, is elevating man to the same position of God. And so what we've done is we've lost our flavor in a lot of ways. Sorry, this is so heavy this morning. I just had to, this is something I needed to hear. Remember, this is me preaching to myself. So you guys are just watching the, the kind of the freak show take place. But, but we've lost our, our flavor. And, I, and more often than not, I see a church that feels too often like we're, like we're just getting trampled on. And I have to ask myself, is it, is it because we've lost our flavor? Is it because we've said, well, my pastor can do it. Pastor Jeff can do it. Rhonda, Pastor Rhonda can do it. You know, Mark and Andrea can go do all that hard stuff. I'm going to pray for them. And, and we still want to pray for them. But you got to realize that God is no respecter of persons. And that if he's put you into a place, it's because he wants you to radiate light in that place. And if your workplace doesn't look like the kingdom of God, that's your fault. So remember, this is me talking to myself. That's nothing to do with you guys. <laughs> I feel like this is so heavy. <laughs> Can't we just tell more jokes? But we've lost our flavor. The third thing that causes us to put off what is now for later is really that we've lost our authority. We've lost our authority. Jesus goes on to say in verse 14, He says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Do you know that? I'm just going to say that again. You are the light of the world. Let me ask you a question. If not you, then who? If it's not you, then who will it be? Because what I've realized is when the church is silent, the world has a voice. And I don't mean just a loud voice from the church. I don't mean hatred. But I mean realizing and occupying a space 
that God destined us to occupy. It can only be occupied by you. You're the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. What is Jesus saying through that? He's saying, I've actually placed you to be light in an elevated position of authority. To be light, to radiate light, to radiate light. You were destined to be light. And I think far too many of us this morning, if we're to be honest, feel that, man, it's just easier to put off till later. If we're being honest, it's just easier. It's easier to think that someone else is going to do it. It's easier to think because there's so much on me right now and there's, there's a weight of the world is on me and it's just so easier if I don't allow my, my, my heart to, to, and my mind to go there. And I've, you know, I, I, I've allowed the weight of my assignment to intimidate me. I've looked at what other people are doing and I've allowed their giftings and their abilities and who they are and what they have to intimidate me and to push me out of who I'm supposed to be. But I came here from the other side of the planet this morning to tell you that it's not too late for you. And actually, you've got to stand up. You've got to do something. You've got to realize that, man, you're the flavor. There is a weight and an assignment on your life that is significant. You're the flavor. You've been called by God to flavor up your environment, to flavor up this city to flavor up this nation. You've been called by God and placed in a position of authority for right now. You are the light to the earth. Why do you think God said in the very beginning, he told us when he made us, what did he say? He said, be fruitful and multiply. We live in a society that, that criticizes fruit. God said, I gave you permission to be fruitful not for your own selfish gain, not to just consume all your fruit on your own, but to be fruitful and give it away. To be fruitful and multiply. Are you with me? If you feel this morning that maybe, man, you just, your light has been put under a bull. It's been fanned out. It's, it, it is, I love what Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He writes to Timothy, he says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift of God that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. He said, fan into flames. Actually, you need to actually actionably fan your flame greater. And some of you this morning might feel like you're being trampled on, might feel like your light has been snuffed out. But I came here to tell you that today is your day and it's time for us to stand up right now and make the devil pay for all that he's done on this earth, all that he thinks he can do in our nation, all that he thinks he can do through our families. Enough is enough. And we can stand up right now in this place today. We can be fruitful and multiply and transform our cities. Can you stand to your feet this morning?
When we love without limits, when we believe that love has no limits, that means that we do everything right now and we realize that right now is the moment. And I want to say a prayer over you this morning. Really two groups of people I want to pray for this morning. I want to pray for those who might feel like they're being trampled right now. Might feel like their light's been snuffed out. Because I want you to walk out of this place this morning. I want you to turn off your phone if you're watching this live or your computer and feel that enough is enough. And right now we're going to ignite the fire again. Can I pray for you real quick if that's you? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every single person that's listening, that's watching, that's here now in this moment. God, and I, 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 I say, devil, you have no authority over our lives. You have actually no creative capabilities whatsoever. You can only distort and lie what's already been created by our creator. And so enough is enough. From this point forward, we say now is the time. We open our eyes. We look around and we look at all of the things in our society. And we look at the things in our family. And we look at the things in our workplace. And we see them as an opportunity to radiate your glory. And to be a vessel that you would use in a tremendous way in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There's no fear of man in this place. In Jesus' name. Fear doesn't control you. You control it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. I want to pray for one more group of people before I invite Pastor Jeff back up. You may be here today or watching and and feel like, man, there's something exploding inside of me. There's something exploding inside of my heart. I don't know what it is, but I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to follow him. I was close. I felt like I was close at one point in my life and I've fallen away. I've allowed my, my light to be snuffed out and trampled on. I want to know that I know that I know that he is my savior, that he's my redeemer, that, that, that I'm secured of my eternity, that I'm going to spend eternity with God no matter what happens in my life. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. We're going to pray together as a church and I want to pray for you right where you are. If that's you, I want to ask you to make a bold decision decision. I want to ask you to make a bold decision and we're going to close because we, the church of God, we're a family, right? We're a family and we're going to do life together. That means we're going to go through the storms of life together. But if you're saying, Gabe, I want to follow Jesus. I want to surrender my life and follow him. I want you to do a really quick favor. With every eye bowed, you can close your eyes and bow your heads. We're going to pray. I want you just to raise your hand real quick. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If that's you, I want you to just make a bold decision and say, I'm going to follow Jesus right now in this place. I'm going to follow Jesus. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for that hand. Can we pray together, church? Can we pray? Can we pray with one voice? Let's all pray together out loud. Say, Jesus, I'm ready. Say, today I surrender. Say, I believe you lived. You died and rose again. So today, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me. I want to pursue all that you have for me. From this day forward, you have my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you so much, Pastor Gabe. Now listen, 
If you're one of those people who raised your hand, there's two things I'd love you to do. One is at the end of the service, go out to the Connect Hub. And if you don't have a Bible, they'll give you one. Uh, connect up with someone or go on to this number, 0488-826-392. It's up there on the screen for you. And just text yes. And then tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., you'll get one screen on your smartphone with a scripture, a verse out of the Bible just for you and a prayer that you can pray. That'll be every day for 30 days. That'll help you uh, to start following God. I know so many people that have done this and then have told me later on, they said every day it was like God was speaking to me. And so I'd love you to do that. 0488 If you're watching this and you're in some other part of Australia, around the world, then you can go to yes.metrochurch.org.au and the same thing's gonna happen for you there. Let's give those people another great big hand and say congratulations. Thank you for starting a journey with Christ.